Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is New Bedford's news talk station, the place where the South Coast comes to talk about all the hottest issues locally and beyond. This is WBSM. Call in to have your voice heard at 508-996-0500. Or open up the WBSM app and hit app chat to text us. Or open line to leave us a voicemail. Let's hear it, South Coast. And good morning. Happy Monday to you. Welcome into the show. Welcome into a new week. Welcome into this muggy weather. Ugh. I don't know if it was like this all weekend because, you know, I, I sailed away on the Block Island Ferry, came back yesterday, and couldn't believe how warm it was compared to Friday when I left. Friday was still pretty warm, but yesterday just felt so much warmer. Maybe it was a couple of days of that island air. It was my first time going out there, and I, uh, I enjoyed it. It was great. I was brought out there by some folks that run the ghost tours, the Block Island ghost tours, and uh, another friend of mine who has a podcasting network, and they're going to be putting on some events out there. So they wanted me to come out and kind of be the guinea pig for everything. And so I got a chance to go over there and hang out with them. We, of course, we did a little partying because why not? It's Block Island in the summer. But we also, I got to take the ghost tour um, I got to see a magic show, which was incredible. Uh, we And we really kind of soaked ourselves up in some of the Block Island history. So if you've never been, I recommend it. It was, it was a short trip for me, but maybe you want to go out there and spend a week or so. I was uh, mostly impressed by how close everything was. I think they told me it's seven miles long and three miles across. So you can, or maybe it's, yeah, that sounds right. So you can really get to everything you need to get to almost on foot. Or you can rent a moped or you can take a cab. It was, uh, it was really easy to get around. And so, I don't know, maybe I'll take some future vacations out there. Maybe I will spend a week out there. Although, I, I don't know, I'm a little bit weird on islands when I'm that far away from the rest of civilization. I think I can do a couple of days, but longer than that, cruises are kind of weird for me. Because I'm like, wait, we're at sea for three days. We're in the middle of the ocean for three days. But I enjoy them. Maybe it's because a, a cruise ship is everything that you need all on one boat. Although they don't like when you call it a boat. It's a ship. I had a friend who came with us on, because uh, we did a paranormal cruise a couple of times. And we had a friend that came with us and got sick on day one. And spent the rest of the... Seven days, I think it was, in the sick bay of the ship. Never got out, never got to experience anything on the cruise, never got to go and do any of the excursions, never even got to go and have dinner in one of the restaurants on the ship, and also didn't get a refund. 
There's no refunds just because you were sick. And it wasn't even seasickness either. It was just sudden illness. So give me a call, 508-996-0500, if there's anything on your mind this morning. Uh, one thing that I want to talk about, we, we discussed this a little bit last week. And by the way, Jack Spillane will join us later on this morning, as he does each Monday, as we will turn on the light. We'll talk about some of the things going on around the city. I didn't get a chance to really discuss this too much last week because we, we talked a little bit about it uh, on the other programs. But Catherine had called in, Catherine Adamowitz, and she had called in, I think I'm saying your name right, Catherine. If not, I apologize. She had called in to first Barry show and then to Marcus and Chris to talk about the initiative, the petition, to get a question on the ballot in New Bedford this November to ask the citizens if they want to have term limits for city councilors. And this was something that Catherine would call in and discuss, you know, when she was upset about the Unit C salary adjustments, the reclassifications. She would call in. She was, you know, just upset about the way that it all went down, and rightly so. A lot of people were. But she would kind of muse as she called in that, you know, maybe it's time to have term limits for the city councilors. And it, as she said, it's, it, as it went on, she realized that this is something that needs to happen. So she's taking it, um, she's taking up the mantle of doing that. They were collecting signatures. We'll have her give us updates throughout the course of the, the, the campaign for this as to how many updates they're getting. But they have a number of signings planned where you can go out and sign this petition. And they're looking for more volunteers to help have more signing events. And she brought up a very good point. Even if you don't feel strongly that there should be term limits, do you feel strongly that the people should be asked the question about term limits? Do you feel strongly that it should be on the ballot and the people's voice should at least be heard about it? Because that's the argument that the city council used for its proposed ballot questions. When some of those questions, people said, well, where is this coming from? And how is this going to work? And how are you going to implement this if it does pass? And, and the counselor's defense of that was, we're just putting it on the ballot to see what the people think. Now, their questions were non-binding. Catherine and the group that she's working with, their question would be binding. So if this was to pass in November, if first of all, if it gets on the ballot, which they have to collect over 3,000 signatures by September in order to do so, but I think in New Bedford in the summertime, you have the opportunity to get to a lot of people at different places. I, I think they can collect 3,000 signatures, especially if they start to get some mobilization of other folks in the city behind this. And the idea would be that it would be on the November ballot, and if it gets approved, I would assume it would go into effect the following election. Because uh, it can't be in effect for a concurrent election. So I believe with the next election, which would be two the next city council election, which would be, well, yeah, you can do the math. But then what would happen is 
this is where I'm going to start to get confused because numbers. They would only be allowed to serve four, under this proposal, four, con- four consecutive terms. And a term is two years. So they would only be able to serve eight consecutive years. After that, they would have to take a one-term hiatus. So two years off. And then they could run again. And then I would assume that that means that they could run for, you know, they could have another eight years and then take two years off. So what do you think about that? And it would only apply to the city council because that's a question that I had. And I was trying to get a hold of Catherine. I was, you know, up against it because I I had to get ready to leave for the weekend. But I was also trying to get this story out. And I was able to take a lot of what she said on the air and, and... and make a story out of that. But also, and you know, with some of the background as to why. But also, I didn't get a chance to really ask her my direct questions. But she did respond via the Facebook group that has been created. Yes, Term Limits New Bedford. Which is up to 19 members now. But she said the following question has been asked. Does not the mayoral position have to be on the same term limit ballot question as city councilor positions? So, and that was, that was my question that I had because can you separate one elected office in wanting to put term limits in effect in New Bedford if there are no term limits in the city charter? When we were talking about the recall provision, which Mayor Mitchell and... Um, and Councillor Lima were both working on. If there's going to be a recall provision, that has to apply to all elected officials, not just the council, not just the mayor. So then would not the term limit question have to apply the same? And, and Catherine says, the answer we were told, the advice we were given is no, and it should not be done because city council positions and the mayoral position are different positions and should be asked on separate ballot questions. So now I wonder, is someone going to start a term limits question for the mayor as well? That if there's going to be one placed on the ballot, then if there's, if if it looks like this is going to be a success, the city council question, maybe the city council tries to put a question on about mayoral term limits just as they tried to put on questions about the four-year uh, question about the four-year term, whether that should be reverted back to two years. Maybe they try to put a, a question on the ballot. Maybe a counselor, because that process didn't play out the way some counselors expected it, maybe a counselor starts a petition to have that on. And not because they have a vendetta against the mayor, but because they feel like if you're going to ask the people about the council, then you should also ask the people about the mayor. And some might point to, you know, Catherine points to the fact that we have two long-serving city councilors in Brian Gomes with, you know, 30 years of experience on the council and Linda Moard with just about 20 years experience on the council. So you've got two people there who have been there for decades, but you also have a mayor who has been there for, what, 12 years? Almost, it'll be 12 years when he 
either reelect, you know, sworn back in for a new term or finishes this term. So that's a pretty long time as well. So I'm wondering if anybody feels that same way. If anybody feels like they want to start up a petition. If they want to be able to try and do the same thing. 508-996-0500. You can also hit me up on App Chat on the WBSM app. You can also send open line voicemails on the WBSM app. But I think this is going to be a big question going into the summer. I know people are looking at this now and they're saying, well, it's a Facebook group that only has 19 members. And they've had a couple signing events and there's some photos from their signing events up on the, the Facebook group. But don't confuse just getting started. And, and honestly, you know, not being as savvy as, uh, as they could be in getting the word out. Don't confuse that with a lack of interest in something because I, I think this is going to grow into an easy pass by September. They'll get the signatures that they need and have this on the ballot. And then I'm really interested to see what happens. What do the people think? Because I don't think it's a given that the people who have voted for counselors again and again and again and again over the years would automatically be against term limits. I think that that would be a, a false idea. They may think that, you know, because they're on the ballot, I'll vote for them. But they may also feel like, you know what, you've had enough time. But the problem is, is they just get so used to those names being on the ballot and they say, well, they haven't done anything wrong that I've seen. So they deserve to be reelected. Well, you might feel a little bit differently when you get that two-year break that has to happen. So again, I think this is going to be a, a big topic of discussion throughout the course of the summer. It'll be interesting to get the take of some of the council candidates as they are talking more and campaigning more during the summer months. Right now it's budget season, so all that stuff comes first. Then we'll start to, to see a little bit of, comp uh, you know, I mean, I guess it all depends. How hard are you really going to campaign if nobody runs against you? But I think you'll hear this be, uh, uh, at least here on WBSM for sure, a major topic of discussion throughout the course of the summer. 508-996-0500. Going to take my first, actually, you know what? There's a caller on the line. Let's, let's take that call first. Good morning. You are on WBSM. Hello. Hi, Tim. Maybe what we need is for people to vote more. True. Get out and vote because I think that the um, rate of voting in the, you know, the towns and the city um, are usually very low. So the same people do get reelected um, because of name recognition, I think. So I think it's, um, it makes us, um, I don't know, it, it kind of like falls on the voter to be responsible finding out things and maybe running for office or whatever. It really does. But I mean, I, I think about this all the time. What can you do 
to make more people want to come out and vote. I mean, I, it, with, with the, without the exception of somebody just showing up at, at your door with the ballot and saying, here, mark this, I'll take it in and I'll, I'll, I'll run it in for you. Like, you can't make voting for people any easier. They can vote for a week ahead of time or two weeks ahead of time. They can mail in ballots. There's all kinds of ways to vote now. We've made it as easy as possible. Why aren't people participating? Um, I don't really know the answer to that unless they feel like it doesn't affect their day-to-day lives and they figure that nothing changes um, and there's like that apathy. I think there I'm is a lot sure. of that, yeah. But, I mean, whenever I hear that, I kind of just, I roll my eyes a little bit and I say, well, if everybody feels that way, of course nothing's going to change. It takes right. people getting out there and actually making it happen. Right. But don't you think a lot of people are caught up in just like going through their day and surviving? Well, and providing, and and I know that that sounds like an excuse, but I'm just trying to understand it myself. Well, but that also falls on the media too. For you know, there being a lack of local coverage when there isn't a lot of local coverage going on, people don't know what's going on, so they feel like exactly. I don't need to vote exactly. in this election. Yeah, unless you're in that loop or unless you're politically inclined, then most of the time you don't know. Like if if New Bedford pulls a a seventeen percent voter turnout, I can guarantee you that a majority of that seventeen percent of people listen to WBSM. You know, they're people who are knowing about this and actively engaged in it and all of that. But how do you reach the people that aren't doing that? That's the hard part. And they're not reading newspapers. Uh, if they're going online, they're not reading local news websites. I mean, it's 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 hard, but it also it's, yeah. Uh, We're- I'm sorry. I was going to say it's a universal problem, too. It's not just something that's happening here. It is. And I think it's just like a little microcosm of what's going on in our country um, in some ways because I think we become very um, isolated and easily polarized because um, you might not do the research yourself. You might rely on other people to tell you what's going on or like little like sound bites that you hear. Mm -hmm. Um, here and there, because I refuse to believe that um, people who vote for one candidate over another are stupid. I just don't buy that argument. They have different opinions, and like I think you have to find out why they believe that way, because saying that they're stupid just shuts down the conversation. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for the call. Okay. You have a good morning. And uh, we are going to take our first break here. We'll be back in just a few moments. If you want to call in, 508-996-0500. And open line voicemails are just one of the many great features that we have on the WBSM app, including our breaking news app alerts, access to all of our stories. We have live traffic, live weather. So when you're getting up in the morning, have you can actually set your alarm through the WBSM app. It'll wake you up to me. If that doesn't make you want to get up out of bed and, you know, turn off the phone, I don't know what will do it. But you can also get live traffic and weather. So as soon as you are up and ready to head out the door, you can see exactly, do I need a jacket? Do I need a sweatshirt? How long is it going to take me to get to work? All that information right there. You can also get access to exclusive contests and You can talk directly to us in the studio with the app chat feature. You can text us here 
and with the open line voicemails. It's all brought to you by our friends at South Coast Towing. They make sure that you have all the latest updates. Well, them and our IT team. Our IT team does all the work under the hood, but South Coast Towing makes it all possible. Download the WBSM app today, wherever you get your apps from, or if you have trouble finding it there, you can go right to WBSM.com, click on the Listen tab, and there's an option there to be able to download the app. All right, now let's go into the newsroom. Adam Bass has your news update. President Biden has spoken to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau about the weekend's events in Russia. The White House said Sunday that the leaders affirmed their unwavering support for Ukraine against Russian aggression. This comes after a short-lived rebellion by the Wagner Group, a private Russian military organization by Yevgeny Prigozhin. The penalty phase of the Pittsburgh synagogue shooter trial is set to begin on Monday. Earlier this month, a jury found Robert Bowers guilty on all counts in the 2018 mass shooting at the Tree of Life synagogue that killed 11 people. In the first part of the sentencing phase, the jury will consider aggravating circumstances to determine if Bowers is eligible for the death penalty. Three people have been found dead inside a Massachusetts home in an apparent stabbing attack. Police responded to the Newton home on Sunday and discovered the elderly victims. Authorities say the preliminary investigation indicates there were signs of forced entry. Millions of Muslims are in Saudi Arabia for the biggest Hajj pilgrimage to Mecca in years. Mark Mayfield reports. Saudi officials expect more than 2.5 million visitors from 160 nations around the globe. Events started Sunday morning with worshippers circling the Kaaba, a large cube. The... uh, at least one person is dead after severe storms hit part of India on, Indiana on Sunday. Multiple suspected tornadoes rolled through the state after warnings were in effect for multiple counties. High winds tore through the structures while tennis ball-sized hail was felt in areas south of Indianapolis. Sarah Ferguson has been diagnosed with early form of breast cancer. A spokesman for the Duchess of York said Sunday that she's been undergoing treatment and was diagnosed after a team mammogram. Ferguson's doctors have told her that the prognosis is good, and she now is recuperating at home with her family. And a new study says one out of every 29 people considers themselves to be clumsy. Brie Tennis has more. Everyone has varying levels of coordination, but are some people clumsier than others? According to science, the answer is no. The University of Delaware did a study of athletes from 18 universities. They studied the subjects on neurological and cognitive ability and compared injuries. They came to learn that clumsiness comes down to reaction time. It's not inherited, and you're not more prone to bumping into things than anyone else. They found any momentary distraction could throw the athletes off, and the same goes for regular non-athletic people. I'm Bree Tennis, NBC News Radio. And millions of Muslims are in Saudi Arabia for the biggest Hajj pilgrimage to Mecca in years. Mark Mayfield reports. Saudi officials expect more than 2.5 million visitors from 160 nations around the globe. Events started Sunday morning with worshippers circling the Kaaba, a large cube structure that Muslims pray towards every day. The pilgrimage is one of the five pillars of Islam and is expected to be taken at least once by Muslims who have the means. I'm Mark Mayfield. In sports, the Red Sox lose their third game in a row against the White Sox. The score was 4-1. to 
The Sox head back home for a game against the Marlins tomorrow at 7.10 p.m. And now here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. We are in a marginal risk category from the Storm Prediction Center, and that just means just be weather aware for today and tomorrow. There is that threat of seeing some isolated thunderstorms. So for today, will be mostly cloudy. Those chance of scattered thunderstorms around the area, high of 75. Tonight, scattered thunderstorms, about 68 degrees for our low. Tomorrow, keep that storm threat with us, so make sure you stay weather aware, high of 72. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. It is currently 69 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Ann Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. If you want to call in and get involved in the conversation, we're talking about this ballot initiative, this petition to get a question on the New Bedford ballot uh, about the city council potentially having term limits. Eight years, four consecutive terms. That doesn't mean you would be done forever. It just means that you would then have to take a one-term or two-year break before you can run again. And we were talking with the previous caller about voter apathy and the fact that people don't turn out at the polls locally, especially. And Chili 59 in New Bedford says, could the reason people are not voting be that they don't want jury duty? And I'm not sure, Is d- does the jury duty selection come from the voter registration list? Or does it come from other ways? I was looking on the mass.gov website and it just says that it comes from town supplied lists. So is that the voter rolls or is that, you know, the, the people who are registered with selective service, the people who are who have a motor vehicle registered? And even so, I, I don't know that that would be a reason not to go out and vote because you're, I don't know, you're going to get called for jury duty at some point. It's not a big deal. Most people don't even have to serve on a jury. You're in and out in a morning. Technically, you have to get paid for it for the day from work. And it's, if you do serve on a jury, I mean, I did. It was, it was pretty interesting and it was a worthwhile experience for me. 
So I, I don't know. I mean, I know people don't like getting jury duty, but I think they don't like getting jury duty because they don't know what it is. I don't mind it if I get it. I've been called three or four times. I can't remember exactly. The first time I got sent to Brockton Superior Court, I think I was, you know, still in college. We got sent home. My girlfriend came with me and she was hanging out, reading a book, waiting to see what would happen. And then when I didn't have to serve, we went out for lunch and did a little shopping in Brockton because we don't get up that way that much and then came home. It was a fine day. Then I got it in Plymouth. I'm sorry, in Wareham. Got sent home. Then when I went to Plymouth Superior Court, I was seated on a jury. So three times I've been called. And I had to serve on a two-week medical malpractice trial where the person in question had died as a result of this alleged malpractice. And we had to find in favor of the defendant because the plaintiff had a long history of, um, let's just say, phantom medical issues. I won't say hypochondria, but I will say uh, over-exaggerating the severity of some of the symptoms that they had. So for the doctors, you know, they did everything they were supposed to do and the person died anyway. And that just, it, it just happens sometimes. But because this person had this tendency to over-dramatize their symptoms, the plaintiff was trying to say that the medical staff did not give this person the proper medical care. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to make that determination. We really, really had to talk it out, re-examine a lot of the evidence. And in the end, we decided that there just wasn't enough to say that we felt that the medical team was at fault. And just that process, that collaborative process of working together, of rationally discussing things. I mean, if everybody had to go through that at least once, it might give you a whole different perspective on how you have those conversations in your regular everyday real life. So if you've been somebody who tries to avoid jury duty, don't. It is a worthwhile experience. Although, you know, Matt Costa, who did Spooky South Coast with me, he ended up on a months-long murder trial when he got seated. But that's rare. It's very rare that, first of all, it's very rare that we have trials that go on that long. But also, it's very rare that, you know, if you go into jury duty and you are seated on a trial, there's going to be anything remotely close to that. 508-996-0500. How many times have you served jury duty? Well, how many times have you had to report for jury duty and how many times did you have to serve? Because I think it's... It's like it's rare for a lot of people to have to actually serve when they go. Most people get sent home. A lot of people don't even have to show up. Now, the last few years, 
that hasn't been the case because because of COVID, there was a backlog of cases. So if you've had jury duty in the last few years, there's no, you call the day before and they're like, nope, we don't need you. That doesn't happen because there's such a backlog of, of cases. But I think if you get called, even just going to report and get sent home is kind of worth the experience. You get to watch that video. If you've ever served, you know the video I'm talking about. I don't think it's changed since the first time I served jury duty in like 1998. But I would recommend, you know, instead of trying to get out of it, actually seeing what it's like to be on a jury. 508-996-0500. We'll be back in a few. Monday. And I don't know how you could with a little blue order getting you up and hopefully getting you dancing out of your bed this morning. But if you're having a blue Monday, maybe it's because you didn't get a good night's sleep. And maybe you didn't get a good night's sleep because you need a new mattress. Even if you only bought your mattress a few years ago, unfortunately, so many of them that are out there these days aren't built to last. But that's not a problem that you will encounter at Whirly Beds Factory Outlet in New Bedford because at Whirly Beds, they're made in America. They are made in New Bedford. Made here, sold here, handmade by your neighbors and delivered from their factory to your home. That is a legacy that cannot be duplicated and they've been doing it for the past 70 years. So at Whirly Beds, they want to make sure that you get a mattress that is going to last, that is going to give you quality sleep because mattress shopping is pretty personal it's a pretty intimate item you should be comfortable going into the store and working with someone to get you the best mattress for you who knows a mattress better though than the people who are making them in the back of the building and that's what you get to experience at whirly beds you can actually go there and see them making the mattresses you can take a tour and see the process so you know that these are the best quality hand-sewn mattresses available. Things like double-sided flippable mattresses, cooling mattresses, which with this muggy weather out there, you know you need a cooling mattress that helps absorb some of your body heat to keep you cool, but then also can give that back to you when things get too cold. Head on down to Whirly Beds. They're on Pope's Island in New Bedford. Talk to Patrick, Martha, or the rest of the staff and tell them, I just need a better night's sleep. Help me. And you will walk out of there with the perfect mattress for you. 508-996-0500 to join in the conversation. We're talking this morning 
uh, about this ballot initiative, but there's there's other things that we can discuss as well. In fact, one of the things that I found really interesting is if you remember when uh, I believe John called in last week on on Friday and mentioned this case in South Boston where there was a person who was found dead in this apartment and there were four children in that apartment. And originally the story was that the four children were in the apartment with six adults, extreme unsanitary conditions, and that one of the adults was hiding the children in a back bedroom and was not being cooperative with authorities. Now, that original report came from the fire department, who obviously, you know, they they were responding to the unattended death call. And they were the ones reporting that there were drugs seen all over the place, drugs right out in the open, unsanitary conditions, that children were being held in that back bedroom. Uh, I believe they mentioned cross-dressing adults. There was all kinds of details in, in their version of events that are now being disputed by the Boston police. Boston police say that the adults were fully cooperative. In their statement, they said there were four children on site who all had a parent present in the residence. The parents and the officers who responded felt it was best for the children to stay in another room with one of the parents and took steps to avoid having the children see the deceased. Police also disputed the description of the conditions of the apartment. This is a quote from the police. Information that drugs and other concerning materials were strewn about the home is not supported by what officers encountered or by the information received on scene. So here you have, and DCF now does have the children and is investigating. So there will be an investigation no matter what into that. But Here you have the police saying that what the fire department said is just not true. You have one responding authority saying one thing and another responding authority saying another thing. Where's the truth? Usually somewhere in the middle, right? But I just find that interesting that the police took that step of having to dispute what it was that the fire department said was going on. And, you know, this happens all the time where the fire department might put out a release about something or make a statement about something. The police department does, and it might not be exactly the same. The fire department isn't asking the questions, the same questions that the police department is. And in fact, in an investigation like this, you know, the fire department is showing up in an EMS capacity. They're showing up to try to save the person's life if possible. And it's the police investigators who are going to get to the bottom of what actually happened. Those are their different job roles. So it's not the fire department's role, really, necessarily, to give information about what potential crimes or factors might be involved in this. So I can understand the police wanting to step forward and and say something about that. But to have such a dispute in some of those details... Then you have to ask, well, why would the fire department make it up? Why would they say those things if they weren't true? Or if they were true, why would the police department be trying to cover them up? Was it a misunderstanding? 
I don't, they don't get specific enough to know the difference. But I find it very fascinating that uh, this story, as salacious as it was when it came out, that now the, the police department is saying it's not nearly as salacious as people are making it out to be. It was a group of adults that were hanging out together. They had their children with them. Somebody died. One of them took the children away and said, you don't need to see this. And, and then, you know, the, the proper procedures were followed from there and calling for help and having the fire and police department show up. But I don't know. I think there's something deeper going on here, and we'll have to stay tuned with that story to see if any other details come about. I'm sure they will. All right, let's take our final break of the hour and be back in a few moments. And we have just a few moments here before we're going to be going into the newsroom to get the ABC News with all your national and international headlines, including that, I guess, attempted coup in Russia over the weekend. Uh, that's uh, something that I think the world is watching because how much does that make Vladimir Putin look at risk? You know, is he susceptible to another attempt like this. Is uh, someone else going to come in and overthrow, try to throw, overthrow the government? Uh, it's happened before. Also, I think, too, one of the things that we can discuss in the next hour is we're talking about some of these, these local issues. If you didn't catch the story, there were two Rhode Island men who attempted to, allegedly attempted to steal a vehicle at a gas station last Thursday in New Bedford. And then when police pulled them over following that complaint, they were in allegedly already in a stolen vehicle that they had stolen a week before and also allegedly had kidnapped a juvenile female. That's a scary story. That's a scary story because does that make you feel like you... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.